power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory. We thank you for an opportunity to share your word. Pray that our hearts are sanctified and made ready to receive your word. Any opposition to the word, we crush it tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we declare the heavens open and we declare that the word of God has free course to operate in our lives. Take glory, Father, take glory, Son, take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, you can put your hands together for Jesus wherever you are. Even though Jesus died today, I need you to be alive. Hallelujah. The fact that Jesus is dead today doesn't mean you should be dead in church. He died that you might live. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. We thank God. Good Friday is not a day for mourning at all. It's actually a day for celebrating. Amen. And we thank God for the work of the cross. Tonight, I want to share a word with you. Somebody say a word. Oh, I need an alive audience. I want to share a word with you. Say a word. Amen. Now, um, I was telling my wife today that Christmas and Easter sermons are some of the most difficult. Because there is the temptation or the tendency for it to be sermon as usual. It's like you come and revise what was said last year. (laughs) Hallelujah. But the word of God is so dynamic, you can turn it in so many dimensions and so many faces and it will still work. Amen? So tonight, I want to preach a good Friday message to you. It's already a good message. (laughs) A message I've entitled, Lessons from His Agony. Lessons from His Agony. What lessons can we learn from the agony of Jesus Christ? I believe it will help you when you're also going through agony. Amen. God didn't promise us a smooth life. Difficult times might come. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. But thank God he didn't end there. He said, but the Lord delivered him from them all. May the Lord deliver you from every affliction. And today being Good Friday, may it mark the end of somebody's affliction in the name of Jesus. As Jesus enters the grave, as Jesus is buried, may your troubles be buried with Jesus Christ today. Oh, people, today is as if you are you are not happy at all. I said, may somebody's afflictions be buried with Christ today. But may it not resurrect with Christ. <laughs> Let me add that caveat. <laughs> For you see a three day wonder buried today resurrects blessings from his agony. I was studying the the story of the agony of Jesus Christ, the things Jesus went through, and I put down a few things I realized were ministering to me, and I believe it will minister to you as well. Yes, they are life's lessons, they are ministry lessons, they are career lessons everything 
that you learn from the agony of Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus' troubles started from him entering Jerusalem. That was when his troubles actually started. When he entered Jerusalem. It was a triumphant entry, but that was what started his troubles. Hallelujah. Let's read Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 11. We know the story already, but let's just go through it. Matthew chapter 21. Let's read from verse 1. It said, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to this word, I don't know whether it's Bethphage or Bethphage or whatever it is. It is Beth something. Unto the Mount of Olives. Then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go unto the village over against you, and straight away ye shall find an ass tied. Somebody say an ass tied. And a colt with hair. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord had need of them, and straight away he will send them. Hallelujah. You see, these this coat that Jesus Christ was going to ride upon had a very glorious purpose that the Son of God Himself was going to ride on him into glory. And I believe that is what it is for many of us hallelujah that god will use us for his glory unfortunately this coat or this ass was tied by something and until he was loosed he wasn't going to be free to do that which had been purposed for his life but listen to what jesus told the apostle he said loose him he said untie him and if anyone asks why you are untying him tell the person the master has need of him today i want to tell you that god has need of you and for that reason anything that is tying you down anything that is holding you and preventing you from being used by god today in the name of jesus we command a release we command a prison break we command freedom and liberation to come to you in the mighty name of jesus christ of nazareth and if the devils ask if the principalities ask if the witches ask the answer is that the lord has need of you some of you god needs you to be kingdom financiers some of you god needs you to be world-renowned worship leaders some of you god needs you to be apostles prophets evangelists to the nations god needs people who single-handedly build churches and sponsor crusades and sponsor conferences and cause things to happen in the kingdom whatever is tying you down whether it's financial difficulty may you be loose today in the name of jesus and the simple reason is that the lord has need of you hallelujah verse 4 it says and all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foe of an ass. And the disciples went, verse 6, and the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, verse 7, and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon, verse 8. And a very great multitude, somebody say a very great multitude, spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. Verse 9. 
And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10. And when he was come unto Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? That means they didn't even know who it was. And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. Hallelujah. Now, these were people who were hailing Jesus Christ. They put their garments on the ground. For this ass or this coat, who before then was a victim of captivity, to now walk upon. You see, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you walk in places you are not supposed to walk. Hallelujah. You will be hailed by people who are not supposed to hail you. It wasn't even Jesus walking on the clothes. It was the coat who before then had been tied, a useless animal somewhere. But because he, he allowed himself for the Messiah, for the King of Kings to sit on him and to use him, he was the one walking on the clothes. May you have a glorious story in the name of Jesus. But the point I'm making from this one is that these people were praising Jesus Christ. They were singing his praises. And there was a reason why they were doing that. Let me give you a bit of history. Around that time, the people of Israel were under serious bondage from the Roman Empire. They were like a colony of the Roman Empire. The Romans were ruling them. And were ruling them with a very, very hard fist. They were tasking them seriously, like taxing them. They were, they were taking a lot of taxes. It's told that the tax to the Roman Empire was about 40% of whatever you earn. 40%. If you earn 1,000 CDs, 400 goes to the Roman government as taxes. And if you are a Jew, you are expected to pay a tithe of 10%. So in all, 50% of whatever you earn didn't come to you. I wonder how people would have survived. I mean, those days when they introduced VAT, what percentage was it those days? We had Kumipreko. <laughs> Much. I don't know what kind of protest they would have had in those days with these kinds of taxes. They were under economic hardship. They were under political hardship. And so the people had the expectation of a political and an economic messiah. So when somebody entered Jerusalem and people were hailing, I believe prophetically some of them also knew they were in the season and all of that. But in their mind, the Messiah wasn't coming to liberate their souls, but was coming to liberate their pockets and was coming to lead them in rebellion against the Romans so that the Romans would be taken out. So when they saw somebody sitting on the, he coming like that, ha, this is the one. Hey, today they are Roman for trouble for you our troubles are coming to an end they didn't know jesus didn't come because of their wallet he didn't come because of their purse he didn't come because of their bank account but he came because of their soul the same way they missed it then we are also missing it now we are trying to create an economic messiah out of jesus christ but he didn't come because of our pockets the bible says seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and then all these things shall be added unto you hallelujah so they were hailing him because they thought he was coming to meet their needs. But when you move to verse 11, verse 12, you see, I've read till verse 11, the whole thing began to change. What did they say in verse 12? It said, and Jesus went into the temple of God. That was where the trouble started. 
this man has come we are expecting that he's coming to see to our interests we need more money we are trying to do papa moves in the temple so that at least we can get something to take care of ourselves you that we have given you funds right it's possible this thing happened on the same day the new king james says then jesus went that's how i put it the king james says and jesus went but new king james said then jesus went you know the division into chapters and verses it was done by human beings for the purpose of memorization and all of those things so it's possible it was one continuous thing so immediately after they gave him the funds and the call to got the chance to walk on people's clothes for free he just left there and straight away went into the temple so temple this man who is supposed to come and help us to get money and for things to start moving on well for us and look at what he went and did then jesus went into the temple of god and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves ah you that we are belly you serious fans right now no you are supposed to be our man they are supposed to be seen to our interests. we are trying to make a living why are you coming to turn over our tables the first lesson i want us to learn from his agony is that not everybody who sings your praises really loves you there are people who will sing your praises and they genuinely love you but there is a certain consistency who will praise you all because of what they think they can get out of you and when that thing they're expecting doesn't come the narrative is going to change and what they say about you is going to change look at these people who were hailing him suddenly ah, he started showing signs that the reason we thought you came is not the reason you are displaying so no this guy in whom papa you are not doing what we expected you to come to do so in life people will praise you people will hail you some may be doing it genuinely but some are doing it because of what they can get it is said that there are some people who don't have permanent friends but they have permanent interest so when you think they are your friend or you are their friend you are deceiving yourself they only have permanent interest and their friendship only exists as long as that interest exists as soon as that interest is no longer there the friendship ends but may god deliver you from such people don't get carried away when people are hailing you very soon they'll change the h in the hail replace it with an n and they'll start nailing you it's a punchline for the lyricists you can take it for free no copyrights with their channel <laughs> be wary of your praise singers don't get carried away always have your discernment sharp always have your spiritual antennas sharpened don't just get carried away that is lesson number one and you see people had all sorts of interests and as I go on, you, you will see why certain people behaved in certain ways. You see the high priests who were angry with Jesus Christ and wanted him killed. It all originated from this thing he went to do in the temple. They were the overseers of the temple. That means they give the permission for the people to be selling. It's possible they were getting some kickbacks. Anas, those guys... They were getting commission. 
that Charlie, if you allow me to sell the doors, every 20% that comes, Charlie, I go take past the table and I give you. Good guy, sharp guy. You know business. It's possible they were earning kickbacks from the thing. And this man went and went and over 10 tables and did all sorts of things. You know those high priests, the Pharisees and all those people, they didn't like the Romans. So possibly initially, oh, when the guy was showing signs that Charlie, I'm coming to lead you against the Romans, okay, it's in our interest. So you, let, let's see what you do. But when they realized that, no, this guy is not really for us, like, look, let's just round this guy up and, and, and finish him because what we thought he was coming to do is not what he came to do. So lesson number one, not everyone who praises you really loves you. Lesson number two, Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. That was where they came to arrest him. True or false? He knew something bad was going to happen. So he called Peter, James, John. Trusted trio. Charlie, let's go and pray. I don't know why he even called Peter. <laughs> because one, he knew beforehand that he would deny him. Two, the guy didn't even believe in this crucifixion thing. Because when he said he was going to die, he called him aside and rebuked him. He said, Master, don't talk sad things. It ain't gonna happen. I don't know why he added Peter. He could have gone with John and James. I mean, that I understand. But why Jesus he can do something so like you know this guy, his heart is not in there. Who he doesn't even believe it. Why would you even call him to come? And on top of that, he said, Let's go and pray. I don't know whether they were, the three of them had held their hands and were doing a year. He went to the side and was agonizing on his own. But they said, he came and came to see them sleeping. Hey. Second time, came to see them sleeping. The third time, he decided, that, look, let me just take things into my own hands. Lesson number two, learn to cry your own cry. <laughs> There are times in life you, you can't look up to human beings. Cry your own cry. No, it wasn't Peter's hands that were going to be nailed. It wasn't his feet that were going to be nailed. It wasn't his side that was going to be pierced. His face wasn't going to be spat upon. So he couldn't feel what Jesus was feeling at that time. All he wanted to do was sleep. I pray that when you you come to a situation in life where human beings cannot help you, you know, and stop depending on human beings and stop looking up to human beings for help. Really, in this situation, none of them could have done anything for him. Nobody could have helped. Nobody could have helped him. That's what the psalmist said. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven. Sometimes we look up to human beings too much and we get disappointed when human beings are not able to help us. There are people you may be holding grudges against even now. Because there was a time in your life you expected them to intervene in a certain way and that help couldn't come. Or you told somebody about a certain problem and you expected a certain kind of reaction and the person didn't give you that kind of reaction. You know, sometimes you expect, you tell someone, you expect the person to say, oh, but the person says, eh, <laughs> and your heart is broken. <laughs> can't you even be empathetic? Can't you feel what I feel? No, he can't feel what you can feel. He's not you. He's not in the situation. 
He can only sympathize and empathize to a point. He can't feel what you are feeling. Just accept it and move on. And don't hold grudges against them. When Jesus Christ came and he saw them sleeping three times, Jesus would have said, ah, you people cry. I mean, when, when, when things are fine, you are awake. <laughs> when there's bread, you don't sleep. When I'm working miracles and you're feeling good around me, like, yeah, we are the sons of the papa. You don't sleep. But now that trouble is coming, you have left me. Jesus could have, could have wallowed in self-pity and made himself very, 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 in fact, more, uh, what do you call it, depressed. But he made an excuse for them, even in that difficult time. The Bible said, he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He knew that deep in their heart, they would have wished to do it. I pray that you will see that in people. Because there are times people really want to help, but they just are not in a position to help. So in this situation, no human being could have helped Jesus Christ. And look at what happened in Luke chapter 22, verse 43. Luke 22, 43. No human being. Sometimes it's only divine intervention that you need. He said, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. When no human being can help you, may the Lord send an angel. May, may the Lord send a divine being to strengthen you and to help you. So lesson number two, cry your own cry. Cry your own cry. Jesus didn't go accusing. When Jesus met Peter for the first time after he resurrected, if it were me, I told you, I told you you deny me three times. Look at you, you're too no. But you see, Jesus didn't have time for unnecessary battles. He didn't have time for unnecessary battles. I don't tell you, yes. I told you, you're too, this you, Peter. Look, watch your mouth, though. But you see, I'm sure he had made excuses for... We have to learn to, to make excuses for people in our minds. Because look at Peter. Peter looked like he was going to stick by Jesus at the beginning of the whole thing. How do I know? He took a sword and cut somebody's ear off. That means he was living up to his promise. But something happened. Something changed. <laughs> something turned somewhere. And the guy realized, actually... <laughs> and after meditating on it, I can understand him. You've cut somebody's ear for somebody. And he comes and just takes the ear. No anesthesia, nothing. He just does plastic surgery and repairs it like that. Pa. And you know this is not the first time they've attempted to arrest Jesus. Because you read the scriptures, there were times they come and then they say he disappears amongst them. Whether he just vanishes or something. No, no, no. I'm not on the level of this guy. If trouble comes, he can sort himself out. But me... Mere mortal like me. Charlie, I have to advise myself. This guy, he's okay. He'll be fine. So right now, me understand Peter. I, I catch. I, I can understand him. Don't be too hard on the guy. Oh yeah. Make excuses for people. You will be less offended in life that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the ground like that, you just repair it like that. Charlie, I'm fighting for you. <laughs> it's you I'm trying to fight for and you are opposing it. Ah, okay. And let me cry my own cry because this is me a chimia. <laughs> what they will do to me, they say, I can't survive. I have a wife at home. You, you are single. <laughs> you don't have a family. You have a wife at home. 
a guy, a small girl, girl said, Hey, Auntie, one of them said, I'll slap you. Get right. <laughs> Have you seen me with him before? <laughs> Understand people. Hallelujah. Understand? Make excuses for people. Don't walk around with all sorts of heads and all sorts of, you know. And, and if my father had helped me a little, I'd have been somewhere better in life. If only my mother hadn't died early. If that guy hadn't broken my heart. Stop putting blames on people. And cry your own cry. <laughs> agonize for yourself like Jesus went to agonize for himself. He agonized enough to release an angel from heaven to strengthen him. May you also agonize and release angels to come and strengthen you in your time of need. Lesson number three. We have to learn to remain calm in the face of adversity. I, I just admire Jesus' poise. No, Jesus could have... There are a lot of things Jesus could have done during the whole process. From Gethsemane to... I mean, even the calmness with which he repaired the ear. If it were me, the ear, I'll turn it upside down. <laughs> I'll fix it. But I'll turn it upside down so that for the rest of your life... When people see you, they know that you, you attempted to arrest God himself. You, you are police, Koti. You are arresting people. It's God you want to go and arrest. No! I'll turn it upside down. Jesus was very poised and very calm in the face of so many things. Like, when I started listening to them, you were like, why, why was this guy calm? These people came brandishing swords, doing all sorts of things. He had the power to call angels. He said, I can ask my father, and you bring what? 12 legions. Right now, 12 legions. One legion, 6,000. That means 72,000 angels could have appeared upon Jerusalem. In the Bible, at a certain place, 70,000 people were killed by one angel. At another place, 185 people killed by one angel. So 72,000 appearing, multiply that by 185. There could have been carnage in Jerusalem for him to prove that, yeah, I am the son of God. But he remained calm. The people broke many laws just to try to convict him. In fact, they broke 18 Jewish laws. 18 Jewish laws. It's like they were so offended and so determined. Those high priests, they were so offended and so determined. I'll just give you some of the laws that they broke. And Jesus knew the law. He could have argued back and you'd have had very solid arguments. Number one, it was the night of the Passover. It was a very holy night and they were not supposed to be arresting people on that night. Those high priests and the people of the Sanhedrin and things were supposed to be with their families celebrating the Passover. That Passover in Moses' time, did anybody come out of their house? And they, they all stayed inside their house on that night. They were not supposed to be doing the things they were doing. So in the first place, they broke that law. As spiritual people, they were supposed to be in their homes with their families. What were they doing trying to hurriedly arrange a trial for an innocent man? The Sanhedrin was supposed to be made up about some say 70, some say 71, some say 72 people. And they had a particular place. They had their meetings. But this meeting wasn't held there. 
It was held in the house of Caiaphas, chief priest. Caiaphas wasn't the only chief priest. They went to Annas's house. And the Bible historians say he was directly in charge of overseeing the temple. So Charlie kickbacks, you know. Ejai, you, we will make sure we find a reason and finish you tonight. They probably didn't even have a quorum that they needed for a serious trial that involved capital punishment, which was death. And it is possible they hurriedly did it and sidelined. You know, not all of the people on the Sahindri, especially the Pharisees, not all of them were against Jesus. At least, we know of people like Nicodemus. We know of people like Joseph of Arimathea. Later, we know of people like Gamaliel, who were for the cause of Christ. They were the only three that were named, but I believe there were still more. So, Charlie, they knew that there were some people who, if this thing comes and we are able to... And it wasn't possible to have assembled all 72 of them at short notice in one night. There were no mobile phones in those days. There was no WhatsApp group on, in, in those days for you to just put it up and say, Charlie, we are meeting here, blah, 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 blah. How are you going to send the message around? But they managed to gather some people and they gathered the people they wanted to gather. It's like parliament. When you want to push an agenda and you know that four people on the other side have corona. So they are not around. Ah, this is a good time because Charlie, we have a hung parliament. They say, let's put that bill there right now, and we are likely to win. Hallelujah. Politics will be yeah. It's everywhere. The people were breaking laws left, right, center. For a conviction of death, the Jewish law says you need two or three witnesses to speak against the person. Was there even one who spoke against Jesus? There was no one witness. They didn't even give him the chance to defend, to, to like also bring witnesses. You probably would have called Lazarus. <laughs> when you died, what did you see? <laughs> oh, he would have had many witnesses. Man, at least some 5,000 people. You know them now. <laughs> oh, they would have come for, you know, to speak for him. They didn't even give him the chance to bring witnesses on top of it the high priest himself he did something very very interesting let's look at a certain law in Leviticus chapter 21 verse 10 let's see Leviticus chapter 21 verse 10 Leviticus 21 verse 10 it says he who is a high priest among his brethren on whose head the anointing oil was poured and who is consecrated to wear the garment shall not uncover his head nor tear his clothes you are not supposed when you do that it is tantamount to leaving your office and resignation when you do that but let's see what Caiaphas did during that what fake trial they were trying to you know manufacture in his house Mark chapter 14, verse 63. Mark 14, 63. Mark chapter 14, verse 63. He said, Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? After this, legally, he didn't even qualify to continue talking about this case. Because according to Leviticus chapter 21, verse 10, he had resigned. 
Jesus could have said, oh, you have no more jurisdiction in this matter. And so sit aside and he would have been right. But you see, sometimes when things are happening in the physical, there are actually spiritual implications. And Jesus had enough discernment to be silent and to be calm about it. Because you see, all that was happening just before the crucifixion was a handing over ceremony in the spirit. A handing over of the old order to the new order. A handing over of the old covenant to the new covenant. A handing over of the old priesthood to the new priesthood. This thing seemed like a normal physical rending of clothes. But he was resigning and retiring the ironic priesthood. And giving room for the new priesthood led by Jesus Christ. After the order of Melchizedek. That together with the renting of the veil, it was a handing over thing. The concept of the temple was now changing. It was moving from a house made by people's hands and was now the bodies of men. The rending of the curtain at the temple was now like, look, it's not only one priest who can go there and commune with God once a year. The veil has been torn. Now enter boldly into my throne room. Those days you couldn't sing... I'll make room for two, you and I. No, you and who? You can't go there. Oh, but after the veil was torn, you can sing that song. Hallelujah. You can walk boldly and enter boldly into the throne room of God and commune with God yourself. A changing of the order was taking place in the spirit. Jesus had enough discernment not to just be looking at the physical implications of the things that were happening. So he kept quiet. May God give you discernment. Sometimes when things are happening around you, they are, they are supporting your cause, but you end up fighting them. They are supporting your purpose. But you end up fighting them. May the Lord give you that level of discernment. So lesson number three. Is that. You must remain calm. In the face. Of adversity. Lesson number five. Keep your focus. On the purpose. Keep your focus on the purpose. I told you Jesus didn't distract himself. By trying to fight Peter and trying to you see when he even resurrected eh, there are a lot of unnecessary battles if it were me me when i resurrected the disciples will not be the first people i'll show myself to. come on Caiaphas, i shall appear in your house what are you talking about <laughs> just as they were in the upper room and the doors were closed and he appeared. Ah. I will do that in Caiaphas room. So, uh, you, you see you now. See your size. <laughs> After that, Pontius Pilate. Oh man. I shall visit you and show you that all that you did was for nothing. The one who spat on my face. The one who pierced my side. The one that when I said I wanted water, you came and gave me bitter whatever to drink. You will have a better experience. I will show you things. <laughs> but you see, he didn't bother himself with all of these things. His eye was on the purpose. Don't be distracted by unnecessary battles. Keep your eye on the focus. Keep your focus on the purpose. Don't distract yourself with unnecessary fights and unnecessary vendetta against people. Oh, there's a lot Jesus could have done. There's a lot he could have done. Jesus at every point had the choice to give up. And I don't think God would have lashed him. 
even though it's his son. <laughs> he would have lashed him. He had the will. He could have decided. I'm sure that was God Himself was like willing him. Charlie, finish this thing. Finish this thing. There were a lot of temptations at various points. Ah, you are on the cross and they are taunting you. If really you are the Son of God, save yourself and save us also. Hey, that was a serious temptation. There are some temptations you can take when you are in a place of strength. But Jesus was in a place of weakness. Serious weakness. I'm talking about physical weakness. I'm talking about spiritual weakness. I'm talking about emotional weakness. Physical weakness. Look at the things they had done to him. Beating him. Tore his flesh. And I've told you before that the cane wasn't the cane. Normal cane that it had hooks. And they say metal balls at the end. It was eight pronged. That means one lash is eight lashes. So if they say they gave you 39... They say 40 save one because if they beat it's so severe they beat you 40 you not you not survive so it's actually 39 times eight with sharp metals that claw into your flesh and they pull it out and make sure it comes out with flesh comes out with muscle comes out with blood physically weak drained almost at the point of hypovolemic shock that's why you ask for water nails pierced through and you see they say it was done at a place just below the wrist meaning they went through the median nerve most likely can you imagine a raw nail cutting through a raw nerve have you hit your elbow on a chair before you see that shock uh-huh that's just a tap on your nerve even with flesh muscle and stuff this one raw nail cutting through a raw nerve You see, when it came to classification of pain, we had mild pain, moderate pain, severe pain. We were looking for a word for the highest form of pain anybody could experience. <laughs> Jesus me. <laughs> you see, the word X, X means out. X means out. That's why exit means to go out. Exclude means to leave out. X means out. The word cruciate means related to the cross. The cruciate ligament is shaped like a cross. So they put the two words together to create the word excruciating pain. And the word excruciating means pain like that which came out of the cross. That's the highest form of pain anybody could feel. Physically, Jesus was down. He had been battered. Left, right, center. So physically, he was down. Spiritually, he was down because this father of his who was with him every step of the way. They said Jesus went about doing good, healing the sick. Why? Because God was with him. God was with him every step of the way. This moment alone, he couldn't feel the presence. Oh, he couldn't say, I feel the presence. I feel God close. No, no, no. God was not close. He was calling him. Papa wasn't minding him. So spiritually, he was down. Emotionally, he was down because his trusted disciples and friends had all abandoned him. With the exception of John. People were insulting him and laughing at him. Every dimension of his being was down. So he was very vulnerable. So at such a point, when somebody says, if you are really the son of God, save yourself and save us also. It is a bigger temptation than you think. 
but he kept his eyes on the focus and thank God he didn't give up. Thank God he didn't come down from the cross. I can imagine what would have happened to us if he had just decided to prove himself by coming down from the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for not proving yourself. That's why you shouldn't even come to the point where it's like, that's an impression where God prove yourself. No, God doesn't have anything to prove. He doesn't have anything to prove. He has done his best for you by remaining on the cross. He has proved enough by remaining on the cross for you. If he doesn't even do anything else for you, he's done his very best. He's done his very best. Let your eyes remain on the focus. The last but one. After he had died, Joseph of Arimathea gave up his tomb for Jesus. One important thing is that we must know that we need godly people in the corridors of power. We need godly people in. He went and negotiated because he was in the corridors of power. We need godly people in parliament. We need godly people to be ministers. We need spirit-filled people to be presidents and vice presidents. Because now that LGBT and all those things are coming into the system, those are the people that the Lord will use as a standard. We need godly people. I've told you, it's not every gift of the spirit that is meant for the pulpit. Joseph had a serious prophetic gift. He could see into the future. Serious things like world events would have called him major prophet. But when we are naming the prophets, we don't even call Joseph because his role was not for the pulpit, it was for an administrative role. Daniel's prophetic gift was for an administrative role. I always say, let's imagine if our finance minister had Joseph's gift or our minister of agriculture had Joseph's gift. Can you embrace it? I pray that God will begin to raise godly people who influence things and be standards. I encourage any believer listening to me who has political ambitions, don't drop it. Pursue it. Even if you lose once, go again. If you lose twice, go again. One day, one day. Go and ask Nanado. Go and ask Atamils. They lost elections, but they didn't give up. And they made it in the end. But that's not a major lesson from this one. Joseph of Arimathea was ready to sacrifice his own tomb. The tomb Jesus lay in was Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Those days was rich people who actually bought tombs for themselves. He was prepared to sacrifice his tomb for the Lord. Sometimes when it comes to sacrificing for the sake of the kingdom or sacrificing things for God is difficult for a lot of us. But I want to let you know today that God doesn't really need anything from you. At the end, Joseph of Arimathea gave his tomb to Jesus. He thought Jesus was going to lie inside forever. And so he had lost the money forever. Or the tomb forever. Just like when you give 50 Ghana City, you think you've lost it forever. When you give God anything, you don't lose it forever. After three days, he had his tomb back. Because Jesus had resurrected. And value had been added to that tomb. Because today people pay money to go. If he had been smart enough to put a family copyright on it, his grandchildren and his great-great-grandchildren would never have been hungry again just because of that tomb. Anything you give to God will come back to you with value added. 
Look at the boy who gave Jesus Christ the five loaves of bread and two fish. Five loaves, two fish. He just decided to put it in Jesus' hands. It fed 5,000 men and an unnamed number of women and children. And at the end of the day, there were 12 baskets left. Where do you think some of those 12 baskets will go? If they are sharing the 12 baskets. Unless, of course, the 12 apostles decide that. <laughs> so Judas, I believe they were wise enough to have at least given one to that little boy to take back home. So he came with five loaves of bread, two fish. But he probably left with me for me, I'll even give him six <laughs> out of the twelve baskets. Anything you put in God's hand, whether it's your money, your time, your energy, God will add value to it and give it back to you. Amen. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. So don't don't hold things back from God. God doesn't really need anything from you. He just wants an opportunity to borrow it for a while and by the time he brings it, he has added value to it. May the Lord create givers and raise givers from amongst us in the name of Jesus. The final lesson is that at the end of the pain, there is glory. Your pain will not be permanent. There is glory at the end of the pain. Oh, Jesus was suffering right from Gethsemane through to the Via Dolorosa. All sorts of things were happening unto him. He looked like a victim. But after he died, suddenly it looked like the curve was changing. It started with the, the earth beginning to shake. The people were mocking him saying, Hey, Charlie, what is happening? He said there was darkness for over it, three hours. That means a total eclipse of the sun. Three solid hours. Realize that no, things are changing. Somebody who were laughing at somebody who was naked and on the on the cross and were laughing at him. Suddenly we are beginning to think twice. Today things will begin to change in somebody's life. Just as the graph began to turn upwards in Jesus' story, I prophesy into somebody's life that on this Good Friday your curve is about to turn upwards you have reached a point of inflection things are going to look up once again in the name of jesus christ of nazareth i feel this so strongly in my spirit that this is somebody's testimony that things will begin to change the testimony is about to change the story is about to change things are beginning to get better what people say about you is about to change in the name of jesus christ of nazareth the son of the living God. Until that point, he was a victim. But then he began to change from a victim to a victor. When he entered hell and he gave them a shock of their lives. We thought we had finished with this man. But when the gates of hell swung open and they saw him, and at that point they were drinking champagne. No, they don't drink champagne. They drink akpeteshi. They drink whiskey and drink all sorts of things in hell. They were celebrating that we have finished this man. But the curve was beginning to change. They saw the man they thought they had finished. Oh, demons will see you. They think they finished you. Witches think they finished you. Principalities think they finished you. Poverty thinks it has finished you. The naysayers in your life think you are finished. But the curve is about to change. 
is about to move upwards once again. You will not stay down forever. Yes, you may have had a time in the doldrums, financial doldrums, spiritual doldrums, but I prophesy a resurrection of your faith and a turning of the tide in your favor in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the Bible said, Jesus Christ having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open show of them. The people who were laughing at him, suddenly their legs were breaking, their femurs were breaking, their tibias were breaking, their spines were breaking. And I can just imagine Jesus now stood in front of Satan himself. He said, I promised you in the garden of Gethsemane that you will bruise my heel, but I will crush your head. And today this is fulfilled in your life. Give me the keys of death and hell. Jesus came out of hell and declared that I am he who died and now I am alive forevermore. And the keys of death and hell are in my hands. And he said, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you shall bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth is loose in heaven. Today may the power of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ begin to show in your life in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Anything that pursues you, receive power to pursue it in the mighty name of Jesus. Battles that you have feared to fight, battles that you have failed to fight. Today, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as the tide begins to turn, I release strength unto you. Receive strength to fight the battles that you need to fight in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The of the living God. The Bible says, there shall be no enchantment against the house of Jacob. I declare that no words that have been spoken against you, no castles that have been declared upon your life, no incantations that have been spoken against you, shall come to pass in your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The word of the naysayers are being negated in the spirit, and positive things are being released into your life tonight in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The son of the living God. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Tonight we declare every curse broken. We declare sicknesses healed. We declare divine protection by reason of the blood. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And today like the Passover, we smear you with the blood of Jesus. We smear your home with the blood of Jesus. We smear your vehicle with the blood of Jesus. We smear your office with the blood of Jesus. And we declare that by virtue of that blood, every evil shall pass over. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. I declare change in your life. I declare fruitfulness in your life. I declare progress in your life. Stagnation is coming to an end in the name of Jesus. And as Jesus resurrects on Sunday, may your health resurrect. May your finances resurrect. May your career resurrect. May anything that concerns you resurrect. May that dying marriage resurrect. May those dead dreams and visions resurrect. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. I speak a blessing into your life. Be blessed in your going. Be blessed in your coming. Be blessed in everything that you do. May the hand of the Lord be strong upon you. May the Lord give you a testimony. Something that will blow your mind. And people will not have any cause. But to declare that it is the doing of the Lord. And it is marvelous in our sight. Take glory Father. Take glory Son. Take glory Holy Spirit. In Jesus most excellent name. Have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen.
Reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our Facebook page, The Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed. Overflow! Somebody over!